0: You often hear business owners or business leaders talk about their vision, their vision for the business that they want to grow, that they want to own, that they want to benefit from, how they're going to get there, when they're going to get there, what it's like or going to be like when they get there. And some of the guests I've had on the show over the years have had very clear visions about the kind of training, facilitation, or coaching consultancy that they wish to build. Guests such as Sean Callahan of Anecdote.com, Adrian Morehouse of Lane 4, Craig Ross of Virus, Stephanie and Russell Watkins of Senpai, Grant Cardone, of course, of Cardone University, Nick Smallman of Working Voices, Joe Ellen Gribb of Impact Factory, Shannon Banks of B Leadership, Karen Winfield of PD Training, and so on. All of these guests over the years have had a clear vision of the kind of training business that they wanted to build. So what about you? Have you a vision for your business? Have you written it down? What are the constituent parts? Have you built it together with anyone, a consultant or a partner? Have you shared it with anyone? How often do you refer to it? Does it fit on one page or even two pages? Is it practical? So today we're going to chat about the vision that you have for your consultancy, and this is really big, big, bold stuff. It's going to get you thinking about the possibilities you have and what it's going to look like when you get there. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. It's Thursday, at least it is right now. When you're listening to this, it might be some other day, but every Thursday without fail, there is an episode of the Training Business Podcast. What is this show about and whom is it for? Well, this is the show for people just like you and me, trainers, facilitators, coaches. And the goal of every episode is to help you to start to grow and to scale your business. Now, some of you might be in the game a long time. Some of you might be just starting. Some of you might be thinking of leaving a paid job and beginning your own consultancy in facilitation and coaching and training in some kind of aspect of that. And this is exactly what the show's about. So if this is your first time here, a huge welcome from me. And if it's not your first time here, you know exactly what the show is about. And there is every Thursday, without fail, a fresh episode of the podcast on your platform of choice. I would love you to subscribe because it takes absolutely only a few seconds and costs absolutely nothing. That's what I was trying to say. And uh, this is going to bring you content in your inbox without fail every Thursday. And very often they're guests on the show. This week, it's a one-to-one podcast episode where I'm going to give you some of my thoughts on helping you to come up with a vision plan. And I'll tell you why I've used those two words together. But this is designed to be practical. So I'm not talking, at least I try not to talk too much about theory. I'm Focusing more and more, I think I am at least, on the kinds of guests and episodes which focus on the business side of things, marketing, uh, sales, program design and pricing, all that kind of stuff. So if this is the stuff that resonates with you, please tell other people about the show um, because I think everyone out there can benefit. And it's not just for me that I do the show, I really enjoy doing this, but it's also to help people. And I think when we are in the training Facilitation coaching space. We are naturally people who help other people. We are people helpers. So help someone else by subscribing, which helps to validate the show and spread the word about the show. And of course, tell other people about the show. And if you've got feedback or at least suggestions, please drop me a line. My email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. I will reply individually with any information I can. And if I can't help you, I will direct you towards someone who can. Okay let's get down to business. So before the music, I said that today we're looking at the kinds of things which constitute a vision plan. Why those two words together? Because often they're separated. Well, vision in a way is the, it's the kind of imaginative, it's the creative side of things. The planning is more the implementation or practical side of things. And I think we can combine these two. And very often when I invite people to envision something, they kind of go off on a cloud and are not sure how to get down off that cloud because it's so wonderful at some point in the future. It's up there in the clouds. The plan suggests we come down to earth and we think of what we can do to make some list of actions, measurements, uh, goals, which we can describe, uh, focus on, and get results from. And that's really why I say vision plan. Okay, so what comes to mind when you hear the word vision? Or If someone asks you, hey, you know, what is your vision for your training business, your learning and development consultancy, your HR brand, or maybe it's a combination of those things, maybe as you're sitting there right now, driving or in the gym or wherever you are, you're thinking, well, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure yet what my vision is. Well, you know what? Great. That's fine, because today is hopefully going to help you to clarify that. So if you think of the kinds of questions that someone may ask you, why would they ask you those questions? It's probably because they're trying to help. So this exercise will help you to clarify what you do, why you do it, whom you serve, and where you want to go. Now, recently, and I'm all the time reading books, it's funny because of COVID I've read a huge number of books. Um and I think during COVID I wasn't reading as many as I thought I might initially, but it's it's incredible how many books I've begun to just order and just read online or physically. And one such book I read recently is Traction by Gino Wickman. Now, it's often aimed at helping entrepreneurs with, let's say, 10 to 25 and up employees. But I think it's still an interesting book. If you are of the mindset that you'd like to have a business one day or sometime soon, that is bigger than you. It involves other people, perhaps intellectual property, multiple clients, assistants, and so on. Nevertheless, it is as a book, I think, useful in helping you to think about where you'd like to end up. Because too few people that I know, trainers, consultants, coaches, facilitators, often think of the end goal. What is it like it's going to be? What's it going to be like, you know, in five, 10 years' time? What what is my exit point? And that reminds me of an episode with John Warrillow back in March, 2021. And he wrote a book called Built to Sell, Built to Sell. And one of my listeners, Melanie Loy, wrote to me recently and said that she'd found that book uh, very useful because she went out and bought it, Melanie Loy in Australia. Hi, Melanie. And uh, she said that um, this has helped her. And I think this is a book which, of many books out there, helps people to think to conceptualize, to crystallize what the end goal is. Where do you want to end up? Do you want to be training in 10 years' time, 15 years' time? Um, are you building something to sell or something that's just your operation to stay in? So what is that for you? Let's think of a 10-year window. What does your business look like in 10 years? Maybe five years is a more suitable time frame. For some people, 10 years is a long time. Maybe five years is long-term enough. Next question, what will it look like in three years? And three years is only 36 months, by the way. That's not very long at all. So what will it look like in three years' time? And coming nearer, what will it look like in one year? Because that's only 12 months away. So one more time, a 10-year or five-year long-term vision. What is that for you? We'll focus on that today. A three-year plan which is 36 months or a one-year, 12 months plan. Now, some people break it down the one year into 90-day blocks of quarters, which you could do too. But let's think of those three time frames for now, 10 years or five, three and one. So pause this and let your creativity flow. Just go crazy, write down all the, the ideas you have. What could be possible? This is visioning, we're envisioning things. We're not looking to judge things or be specific, we're just looking to let imagination go. What would that look like for you? How would you feel about this business if this came into reality and this was how your business ran in five, ten years, three years, or one year from now? Now obviously it takes time to get there. There might be parts which are definitely in the future, some things which are nearer in a 36-month time frame, and some things which are only possible in one year. But that's fine. We're looking to almost like a tree line. Look at the peak of the mountain up there in the sky and work backwards down the hill. What does the tree line look like below that? And finally, what does it look like at feet level or sea level? Think of that mountain you want to climb. Looking backwards down the hill, coming from 10 to 5 to 3 to 1, what time frames excite you? So, if you like, you can pause this and let your creativity flow. Grab a pen, some post-it notes, a whiteboard, do a mind map, a vision board, take some pictures and take them from Pinterest or some other source and put them on the wall, print them off, glue them into a book. All kinds of ways you can do this to let your creativity flow. And my recommendation is to leave some time between the vision part and the planning part. Okay? Right. So here are some questions to help. Would you see yourself taking on associates, people that would do your work for you or maybe to do part of the work for you as people representing your brand? Have you planned to take on employees or part-timers or assistants, contractors? Would your operation be solo? Would you train, do all the training? Or would you rather go into operations and build a business that has other trainers, coaches, facilitators? Would you rather Would you rather work with... Um, direct clients? Would you rather work under someone else's brand? Maybe you would. Maybe some of you have a relationship with another company where you deliver as a part-timer for that brand, under their brand, and you're happy with that. That's fine. Or would you rather work with direct clients, your own direct clients? Okay, you're billing them directly. What will reaching your business goals mean for your personal life and relationships? And what would it mean to you if you could create that business of your vision? So think about that, okay? Again, pause if you'd like to. If you can, pause and reflect on those questions, solo or with employees, direct or indirect. Impact on personal life and professional life. And what will this mean to you if and when you can create that business? Now, what many facilitators and trainer's find is that having a niche or core offering really really helps. My area is sales enablement, my highest paid work and my happiest client clients consistently are all I would say sales directors, sales managers, account executives. That's my niche. So what is yours? Have you a niche? And the reason I'm asking this is because sometimes we find ourselves doing a bit of this and a bit of that. That's okay to make some money, but long-term, is that sustainable? Is that credible? Do you want to be doing uh, training or facilitation in this area and this area? Or would you rather specialize? And there's an expression in American English, which is, uh, the riches are in the niches. Now, over here in Europe, people would say niche. It's a French word typically, but I like the rhyming that that gives us. The niches are where the riches are, or the riches are in the niches. When you have a niche, people for whom you do your best work, it's defined, then you can focus on specializing and developing products and services just to serve that niche. So ideally, ideally, your niche is linked to your passion. And I think this is really important. So I'm passionate about sales, I know, because I read, have a sales book right here beside me. And I read and I'm learning and I'm watching things and I'm trying to implement things. So if you find yourself doing the things that you love to do, I think it's true to say that you'll be good at them or at least better than you would be if you weren't passionate about those things. So you have to decide, do you want to be a, a you know, like a jack of all trades or would you rather specialize? And what is the benefit and cost to your business of doing that? So my strap line is: I help sales leaders to drive results through coaching and enabling their salespeople. And I've kind of branded this in my forehead, and I think part of this is on my LinkedIn profile. So when you know that you have a niche or a focus, uh, a clarity of uh, customer or prospect, that's your passion and your plan around is around making that possible for those people, for the reasons you've outlined, then I think all of those things click. So the next thing to do is to say, what are the values that will keep you on track? Why values? Well, because values, if they're linked to passion and vision are unbeatable. So think of the values that mean something to you. I can think of a bunch of reasons why building a business around sales enablement is important to me. And the values are the things that if someone were to join the business, if someone were to join my team, or if someone were to work with me, I could share with them the things that, to my mind, make this business different from other people. So the values is a list of kind of, um, I would say, checkpoints that remind you of why you do what you do. And I think why is very powerful. So mine are, for example, service to stand out from the competition speed to capture business leads, results to drive referrals, sharing expert content to attract business, and profitability to grow. Now, I'm not saying that you would put these on your website. These are internal values. These are the things that I read, the things that I might share with someone who's coaching me, and I work with a coach. These are things that I would check in with to make sure I'm on track. They're not necessarily things that you would or I would tell our customers. Now you can have external values, which you can pop on your website and people like that. And it's useful, but these are values that remind you of what you do for whom you do it and what this will do to contribute to your vision. You could think of three or five. I like 10, 10 values, which you can then reduce down to, you know, five or three or something like that. So the next thing to do is to think of the time frame. So having done the work on the values that will sustain you, having come up with a vision of the niche in which you tend to specialize, or would like to specialize if you intend to, and for whom you will do your best work and why, I think now you're ready to think of the planning phase. So the visioning phase comes first. It's very important. We have to really let creativity loose and think of all the, the reasons that you want to commit to building a business for yourself for your customers and for even people in your family people who will benefit from that clarity that happiness that success okay, so time frames I would say now, having paused this if you like, the first thing is to work backwards so think of the mountain peak like something in the distance let's say that's five or ten years into the future. We're now coming down from that mountain in the clouds, and we're now creating a plan. So 10 years is out there. Um, it's long-term. Maybe five years is more comfortable for you. Definitely create a three-year vision and a one-year vision. So I think of 10 or five, definitely three, and then a 12-month vision. Okay, that's the strategic stuff. Okay, so for each of your time frames, if you like, you can call them long-term midterm, short term. What does each stage look like? What are the business KPIs? What does that mean? It means key performance indicators, the number of leads, the number of contracts, the number of clients you want, and the length of time. So we'll look in this part of today's episode at some numbers, if that's okay with you. So let's think first of all about the revenue goals you have. So let's say for a 10-year vision, 10 years from now or five years from now, what revenue number do you wish to generate from your workshops, from your retreats, tools you've built or will build, training programs, coaching programs, um, off-site, on-sites? What does that look like? Is it 50k, 100k, 150k? Or do you see yourself generating revenues of 250,000 or 500,000. So we're looking to come down from the mountain slowly and think if we were to hit those kinds of numbers, what would this look like? So we're working backwards here, and there's a reason for this, just bear with me. So having thought of the revenue goal, let's say 10 years in the future, or five years in the future, or three years in the future, what would the profit be? So profit, simplistically, would be what's left after costs of goods are sold. So costs in designing, developing, delivering, licensing, selling your programs online, face-to-face, and, of course, adding to that operating expenses. So when we take our revenue, subtracting our costs of goods sold and our operating expenses, things like subscriptions, accountant fees, salaries, your salaries, and those of your assistants and trainers, perhaps, and marketing costs, all that kind of stuff, what you're left with. So what is that figure for you? Now, why is this important? Because if that number isn't sustainable or achievable, some of you might think, well, I'm perhaps better taking a job or staying in employment. Maybe that's true, actually. So if you want to run this business in a way that it provides you with an income that's stable, and there are times in the past when definitely that's not been possible for me, it's been unstable, and that has caused domestic issues, and this is serious stuff. You have to think about the cost to you of this business. Is that something that's viable? And again, this is a great time to do this. This is a vision exercise. What do you want to achieve and why? And Adam Wilson was on the show two weeks ago and talked candidly, personally, about the situation in which he found himself um, and the thoughts he had when weighing up whether it was good to stay in self employment or go back to a full-time job. And Pete Starr, another guest on the show, had the same discussion with me way back in 2018. So be honest with yourself and say, what does this number look like? My revenue goal and my profit after costs of goods sold and operating expenses are subtracted. Is that sustainable for you? So this is a vision exercise. We'll look next at making these numbers a reality. Okay, so far so good. So, Something I like to think of is called ACV. What does that mean? It means average customer value. If we're chasing the small stuff, there isn't a lot of, let's call it, um, room for the bigger stuff. Maybe you're better off servicing a bunch of small contracts or mid-sized contracts in training and uh, workshops, facilitation. Or would you rather have bigger contracts, but fewer of them? You have to do the maths here, okay, or the math. You have to think of, what those numbers look like. We're not predicting the future. We're simply thinking of a plan that we would like to see become reality. So what is the average customer value to make it worth your while, all the overheads and the costs of doing business? Is it worth servicing a contract that's worth, I don't know, 20,000? Or are you happy with small contracts of 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 or 3,000? So what is that number working backwards, what is the average customer value that you need to make these numbers possible? So we're thinking of the revenue, stepping down, thinking of the costs, stepping down again and thinking of the profit that's left. What would the numbers, the revenue or the average customer value have to be to make that revenue goal possible and leave you with the profit that you want after costs? Great question. I am not you can tell. I'm not an accountant. I strongly advise you to speak with an accounting or finance professional before you reach numbers which aren't really clear to you. And I do that myself. Speak with a financial advisor, an accountant, to help conceive or develop a plan that is realistic and is sustainable. Okay? So that brings you down to earth, hopefully. (laughs) These numbers have to paint a picture of reality. We're not painting them from the sky. We're thinking of the vision and then bringing this into a plan. So think of average customer value. Once you've talked to your accountant and you've realized this is what I can achieve, what is the average customer value? How many of those customers would I need to make my plan possible? How long would each training project or workshop series or contract need to take so the number is achievable? Why do I ask this? Because I've seen people get literally too much business and the result is that they get stressed they can't service each each project or customer properly they lose their business and uh, it costs them mental health and other things in the long term so how much time have you got for each of these projects how long would each project need to take so the number is achievable will you deliver or outsource or subcontract part of this work maybe those things are things you can't yet say consciously or confidently. Maybe you'll figure these things out as you start. Who knows? But think about those now. Do you see yourself eventually, or at some point, outsourcing, subcontracting, or hiring people to deliver, design, um, implement, administer part of this work? And I can think of a bunch of people who've done this, who've realized, actually, I can't do this on my own. I need some kind of assistance, whether it's someone running logistics, booking in uh, my clients for dates and organizing Zoom rooms and teams and all that stuff, which often actually is a cost to you. If you're not making money by charging for your time, you're actually losing money in a way. So does it make sense to outsource, subcontract, hire people, resources to help you to achieve these numbers? Now, next, how many core products or offerings will you have? We're not talking marketing here. That's for another episode. But how many core products or offerings would you have? Think of some restaurants where the menu is so enormous, people don't know what to order. And that's ridiculous. You really want to ensure that you are focusing on your passion, your niche, the core requirements of your customer base, and shaping viable offerings that are attractive, competitive, and actually productive. Isn't that true? Of course it's true. Because if you invest time in developing products which don't sell, um, what's the point of having them on your website? What's the point of offering them? It's stressful to keep updating them, renewing them, and selling them. You're better off selling the things that you can deliver on. So to my mind, the magic number is three. If you have a team, you can increase that number. So just one person, one, two, I would say three core products. Okay. Now, what would they need to be priced at? if you have three products, what would they need to be priced at? Again, we're working backwards thinking, if I get the price right for the right market, what would that have to be worth to bring in that level of income per month, per quarter, per half year, per year? And then that would give me my uh, overall revenue goal minus profit, minus, I should say, expenses, operating expenses, costs of good gives me my operating my profit effectively. So we're working with numbers to even outline this as, as a vision and and as a plan. And I love Excel for that reason, Excel spreadsheets, or working with an accountant to come up with a, a realistic plan based upon actual projections. So when you when you've done that and you've checked them and they make sense to you, think of other things. You know, how many projects would you need to take on to make up these numbers? Can you create retainers, you know, where a company hires you monthly to run the same program. And I think that's another episode we have to have at some point in the future, which is how do we actually go about creating retainers? This is dependable income, which comes in month after month after month after month from people who literally rely upon you through a contract to consistently deliver training. That's really great when you can achieve this because it's reducing the amount of worry and stress about having to chase new business all the time. So we'll definitely focus on that in a future episode. Will you have online products which generate passive income? You know, income that comes from people watching something online, following a course online. Will you have active income where your training is only Uh, consumed when it's in a Zoom room or face-to-face. In other words, exchanging time for money. Okay, So what I've done, at least in my plan, is I then break all these things down and say, okay, based upon the numbers, which actions will I take for each time frame? So for example, for my next 90-day sprint, I am further refining, scoping, developing, pricing my three products. So by X date, I will have or someone else have, if you're working with um, contract or service providers, we will have this done. We will have by June three core products uh, developed, priced, scoped, and marketed, ready to go. And that will be done by an agency or by me or by someone else. I will uh, create a newsletter video series or a LinkedIn content campaign by X date or I will develop a database of contacts, which corresponds with my ideal niche by X date. Now, all of these things have to have a date to be part of a plan. Otherwise they're just vision, okay? So we have so far worked on the vision. We've conceived a plan for how to make this practical and implement this. We've thought of numbers and timelines and responsibilities. And we've broken this down into individual actions or things to be done by a date. Now, do this for each time frame. The further out it is, the more unrealistic you can say specifically, I will have this achieved by this date and time. Maybe you can do that. If you like, you can subdivide your first year or the current year into four quarters or 90-day blocks. And often this gives people more impetus because it's easier to aim for something, you know, 12 months from now, then three years from now, it's easier to aim for something in June than in December if it's currently March or February. So think of those sprints or blocks which break your one-year time frame or your longer time frames into more actionable short-term time frames. This gives you more excitement and impetus. Now this whole exercise can take one to two days. If you have a team of people, why not involve them or shape out your initial vision and then bring them in to make this into a plan. I want you to be excited about this. I want this to be something that fires you up. Keep this on your desktop. Keep this on your wall if you like. Refer to it and check in with it. So leave this exercise once you've done it for maybe one or two days. Update it Refine it, share it with people, get some feedback, people you trust, encourage people to challenge you. This is really important. This is why I work with a coach. Ask to be challenged to sound this out and make sure it's watertight and realistic and achievable. And it's something that sustains you. Otherwise, it becomes this ungainly mass which deflates you and demotivates you. It must be something that when you look at this, you go, Hey, I can do this. I know why I'm doing this. I have a clear vision for why I train, facilitate, coach, consult. I know whom I do it for. I know what I can charge for it. I know what I'm charging for. And I have a plan to make this possible. Okay, so the only thing left to do right now is to start. Are you excited? Well, I am for you. Because I know if you're listening to this, when I was on the receiving end of this, I was really excited too. I want you to be excited. I want you to vision, let go, be creative, and then come down to earth and plan with actions, numbers, and a time frame. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for tuning in to the Training Business Podcast. Please do a couple of things for me. Please subscribe because it really is important that I, James, Sam, and the team know that you're finding this useful. The podcast numbers are going really up and up and up. I want you to help me to make this bigger. Help me to make this the show for people like you and me out there in the community. I'm not plugging my brand. I don't do this. This is not about me. It's about you. It's about us. It's about people in our shoes, people out there who need help to improve their business, start their business, grow their business, scale their business. Okay. So please share the podcast with them. Please subscribe. Because as I've said umpteen times, it costs absolutely nothing takes a few seconds to do click clickety click. And you're subscribed and you'll receive notifications of episodes as they come out. Until next Thursday, when I know you'll be back for more, please tune in next week. Tell other people, subscribe, get excited, and share what you've done. Drop me a line if I can help. Mark at trainingbusiness.com. Take care. Keep going. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.